usually turns my mic on. Derek Brandale. <laughs> oh, boy. Hot, hot start to the oh, he's a busy hour. guy up there. Getting thrown under the bus on national Do television. not bother Derek Brandale. Press his button. <laughs> Someone press it for press me. Press my button. Come on. <laughs> Start, you guys are starting to push my buttons right oh, now. All right, all right. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee on the national edition of The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. As always, you can find us on Sportsnet, Sportsnet three, uh, 650 in Vancouver and Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Yes. As uh, sands through the hourglass, so are the Otani days of our lives. Wow. Think, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, were you on that show? <laughs> no. You're on a different sitcom. Do you know what soap opera that's from? Soap opera, right. No, I don't. It's uh, yeah, well, Young, Young and the Restless. Lives is that no. One. What did I say? Young and the Restless? Young and the Restless. Days of Our guess, Lives. Though. I thought it was... Days of Our Lives. It, oh, there's... Gret- Gretzky was on one of them, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know what I'm Yeah, he was about. on... Uh, are you Gretzky? Where am I? Gretzky was on Young and the Restless, and I was on Guiding Light. Before I, I think I got them canceled after 40 years after my episode. We've seen enough. They've really scraped the bottom are there of the still, barrel. Are there still soap operas? Yes. Like, is that still a thing? Yes. You follow the Leafs or what? <laughs> hey, now. All right, all right. That was really good. Very well done. All right, uh, let's kick it off with Louis DeBrusque. Of course, great analyst uh, on Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. Does a terrific job following the Edmonton Oilers. Louis, how are you, my friend? Do we have Louie? Hey, how you doing, Kipper? We're good, buddy. Hey, how are you? How are you? Good, Louie. Good. Thanks. We were just discussing soap operas. Louie, were you one of those guys that uh, came home from practice? <laughs> I heard that. You know, it's amazing. I don't get a phone call all day long, but I get one when I go on a Zoom call. Um, you know what? It's funny. When you said that, to get those shows canceled, you must do something really wrong. <laughs> I mean, they never die. I, wa- I remember growing up, and my, my mom and my sister used to watch Y&R, Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives. And, I, you know, you still see it on TV now. It's the same actors, for crying out loud. They've been on it for 40-plus, 50-plus years. So pretty incredible. Wow. And uh, how's the soap opera in Edmonton, been lately, uh, certainly a feel-good soap opera the last five games. Yeah, you know what? It's been uh, a difference for sure. And you look at when Chris Knobloch first took over, they they won a couple of games and they went on the road and they lost three in a row. And you're thinking, okay, here we go again. But I have to give the team a lot of credit. They really buckled down after the loss in Carolina. That seemed to be the um, the stimulus for them really changing their ways and digging in and understanding that it was another coaching change and they had to dig in and they've uh, reeled off five straight wins since that point in time and they beat some really good teams and I like the way they're winning hockey games. Yes, the top guys are going, but they're getting more from their depth. I think that that's one of the, the first things that Knobloch did when he came on board was start to distribute that ice time a little bit more, take a little bit away from the top guys give a little bit more to the bottom six and the, and the bottom defenseman in the six rotation. And as a result, I think everybody's feeling a little bit more a part of it and they're playing the right way. Um, you can't say enough about kind of what they went through at the start of the year. That was some adversity early in a season, but I think the lead league right now is on notice that this team is back and playing the way that I think everybody expected them to play at the start of the year. So how much do we attribute the early season stuff to like McDavid wasn't quite healthy, Eckholm maybe not quite healthy, and the goaltending just wasn't great? Like, is anything drastically different beyond those things? Not really. Yeah. I don't think so, Justin. I think that, um, you know, those are big things, though, especially Connor McDavid. I mean, you look at what he's doing now, and he looks like he's healthy. You just watch him play, and I mean – 
for me, um, listen, even at 60, 70, 80%, whatever he was, he's still a fantastic hockey player and he's still one of the best players in the league, but he just didn't have that extra gear. Um, I also think the frustration, I think the expectation that was piled on this team from within to internally, they have a lot of expectations of themselves, but then you go into the season, they came in two weeks early, they were saying all the right things. They were prepared to come into the season and really go after it. And it didn't go the way you expected to go. And then these things started to pile up, you know, the, the injury to McDavid, I know he hasn't talked about it. Doesn't want to use it as an excuse. And I, and I really love that about the kid. He never does. But the, but at the same time, you could tell there was a difference. Guys are dealing with things all the time, but when you start to have that snowball effect where your top guys aren't producing, your bottom guys aren't producing, you're not getting a timely save when you need it, you're not getting that game-breaking goal at a crucial time in a game or the big penalty kill. I mean, all that stuff was going together against this team, and they just really couldn't you know, climb their way out of it. And sometimes it takes hitting that rock bottom. Rock bottom being another coaching change of this organization. Since I've been with this organization in some capacity in the last 16 years, that's 11 coaches that have come in and been wow. on that bench. Yeah. For Ryan Nugent Hopkins, it's nine. Nine coaches for him in his tenure in Edmonton. So I think it was a real look in the mirror situation for the players, and I, and I give them a lot of credit for that. It's tough, and you could tell by their body language, by their demeanor, the way they were talking to the media. You could tell it really affected them seeing Jay Woodcroft being let go and another coach coming on board. But then I think you take a breath, you internalize, and you say, okay, it's time for us to go out there and do what we can do. And they've done that as of late. They're back to playing the way that we all expect them to play, the way they have played in the last four years, and why everybody thought they were a contender for the Stanley Cup. Because when they do play that way, they're a very, very hard team to play against. And they can put anybody on their heels. When their A game is kicked in, there's nobody better in the league. We're talking to Louis DeBrusque, hockey analyst with Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. As always, this hour of Real Kipper and Born brought to you by Bet365. Part of the streak here includes a very consistent goaltender in Skinner. But, Louis, how, how long can they run this guy? And lots of talk about maybe Jack Campbell coming up or maybe not coming back up if he, you know, yeah. had a, a hiccup again. But, you know, whether it's Campbell back up or not, like – the focus still has to be into getting some help between the pipes, is it not? For sure. And I think that is probably the game plan moving forward is to allow Jack to continue to play down in Bakersfield when he finds that game. They have a schedule right now. This is will be the second of six straight at home with a day in between every game. So the schedule's set up pretty well to keep going with Stuart Skinner right now. And then they go on a, a three-game road trip into New York where they play three and five days. So that'll be a situation where there's a back-to-back -back and you're like, okay, we need to get somebody else in there. Calvin Pickard has played one game. He came in relief to Stuart Skinner in Carolina November 22nd, two after giving up four goals early, three in which – I'm sorry, I'm not putting on Stuart Skinner at all because I thought there was bad coverage around the net. But, you know, that's here neither here nor there. But I would tell you that Stuart Skinner is the type of goaltender that he said it many times. He's never going to say no. He wants to play every game. He's in a groove right now. And when you have a starting goaltender that's playing the way he's playing and settling into the role, I think the schedule lines up for at least the near future to allow him to continue to do that. But there's no question, Kipper, they're going to have to figure this out. Either give Jack Campbell another opportunity, which I think is going to be the play. Get him back up here. Get him in some games. Start to find that confidence again. Because when he is playing at a high level, he's, he's a really, really solid goaltender. So it's just a matter of finding that confidence once again. And um, he just didn't have it 
you know, at the start of the year. It looked like he was coming in in great shape. He was ready to go. His exhibition was fantastic. But then as did everybody else, and I really do think that Jack was a little bit of the scapegoat mm-hmm. in the whole situation. Uh, that's just my belief. But um, his high-end game, I thought, was probably the better of the two goaltenders at the start of the season. But unfortunately, he's the one with the contract. He gets sent down to the minors. They wanted to shake things up. And it seems to have worked for right now. But I think this is a Band-Aid that's going to eventually have to be fixed. And we'll see what they do in the future to do that. Yeah. You know, um, you know, a moment ago, you're talking about how Knobloch has given some of their depth guys. And I'm not sure that you would lump Zach Hyman in as a depth guy. I don't know that that qualifies. He's a core guy. I think it's safe to say. But uh, we opened our show up in the Leafs hour uh, with Sam yelling about how Dubas didn't sign him and how, you know, he's in Edmonton hmm. now. Has he been as advertised, better than expected? We got him at 27 goals, then 36 on pace for 55. How's that contract working out in Edmonton, Louis? I think it's working out fantastic. I really <laughs> do. And I think, you know, listen, that's probably one of the reasons why he signed here, though. You know, when I look at it, it was a smart decision by Zach Hyman, too. Yeah. Um, when you look at the Edmonton Oilers and you look at down the middle, you've got Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. You've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if you want to throw him at the center position. He plays both center and wing. And you've got Ryan McLeod, a young centerman as well, that can play in third or fourth hole, depending on how you want to allocate those other three centermen. If you want to use one of them on the wing, then he's the third-line centerman. If they're all three there, he's now your fourth-line centerman, which really strengthens that spine down the middle. Um, But for Zach, you know what? I've said it many times this year. He's been the most consistent oiler. Even through the low part of this season at the start of the year, his work ethic, his attention to detail, the effort he gives every single night, and the way he plays the game in a north and south way, it just really is criticism proof. It's incredible. Yeah, sometimes he doesn't finish a play. Sometimes he misses the net. Every player does that. But he continually creates those chances on a regular basis because of that effort and that energy that he brings to a line. And they seem to have found a real nice chemistry, Ryan Nugent Hopkins with McDavid and Hyman. I mean, they were snapping around last night, and they're just gaining momentum here more and more as as they play more together. And that's the other thing, too, along those lines. And I know you mentioned it, Justin, but for Knobloch coming in, he's really been able to keep lines consistent. Not as much tweaking with the lines, not as much shuffling, and I think that that's gone a long way to just stabilizing the, the, the forward group lines. And, yeah, you have to make – um, changes from time to time. Hyman missed a game because he was ill one game and Yanmark went up on that top line, did a real nice job and you shuffle a couple down the bottom six. Adam Ernie goes in, Sam Gagne injects back in and scored a big goal in that game versus Vegas. So, you know, they're getting production from from a lot of different people right now, but I think, you know, coming on board for Paul Coffey and for Chris Knobloch, it was, they knew this team was fragile. They knew this team was fragile at that time when they took it over. They knew the confidence wasn't very high. So you slowly and methodically go about building up that confidence again and just implementing little things at a time that I think have really allowed this team to stabilize and start to take off. Boy, if uh, if you had trouble uh, as an Edmonton Oilers fan last night finding a parking spot, you may have missed (laughs) uh, one of the best power forward moves I've seen all year long in, in Zach Hyman's third goal of the game like yeah. Louis that that's uh like we, we followed Zach in to start his pro career here you just would have never envisioned him being able to do that you know early in his career in Toronto and it's just I just tip my hat off to to a guy that's worked so hard on his game to to get it to that level you know uh, yeah really he's he's a good he's a good kid too right yeah. um I, just a quality guy kid. Yeah. So, and, and you can tell right away. Great to talk to. 
Um, he's the kind of guy you root for, right? Yes. He's the kind of guy you look at and you say, he does the right things. He says the right things. He prepares himself. He comes to the rink. He's a great example for anybody in the locker room on how to approach the game and how to get yourself ready for it. And I think it's really rubbed off on a lot of guys. I've heard multiple players over the last couple of years um, talk about the way he plays the game, the way he handles the puck on the wall, the way he spins off. And that was probably the goal you're talking about, right? The spin out of the corner, yes. walked out and jammed it home. You know, he's so strong on that puck and he protects it so well that it's not only effective in the defensive zone, trying to get out of the zone, which he uses a lot in that, that situation, but now he's starting to find that confidence. And I really do think that's what it is with him. I think the light's gone on for him and he understands that if he continues to do those things, the puck will go in the net for him. And now he leads the Evans and Oilers in goals and um, is having a fantastic season. 36 goals last year, no stretch of the imagination that, He's going to at least duplicate that again, especially with the line that he's playing on and where he is in the lineup column. But I also think it's it's him. I think it's just a guy that's found his stride, and uh, it shows with his body language even more now. He doesn't cheat the game ever, and as a result, uh, the game is rewarding him. You know, I actually like that as a segue to talk about Evan Bouchard because it is a confidence yeah. thing and a finding yourself thing, and it, it feels like he's getting there. I know when I sort all my fancy stats that Kip teases me about, he's pretty high up there in a lot of them. You know, Corsi is in, you know, shot attempt stuff. He's He controls a lot of the play when he's out there, and I know he's been effective for them in the power play too. Is he kind of, you know, showing some, uh, showing that he's the guy they thought he could be? Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, you go back to last year, Matthias Ekholm comes on board and they pair Matthias with Evan Bouchard. And I just think it was, it was the perfect fit. Mm -hmm. It was a veteran grizzled vet uh, defenseman and Matthias Ekholm was a real leader. And I mean, I mean, you can't speak enough about what he brings to the table. I think I've liked him his entire career, but now watching him on a nightly basis, just the little things, the details of his game, the physicality, he's a born leader. He's just one of those guys that's in the trenches of the game. And I think that putting him with Bouchard was the perfect move. It allowed Bouchard to, to be stabilized by a defenseman that talks a lot, that communicates with him both on and off the ice on the bench, and just allows him to do what he needs to do to be successful as a player. And it does start with the offense, Justin. I really think when you, when you look at offensive players, that's how they judge their game. They always have. I mean, right from his early days in London where he was lighting up the league as a defenseman and he was making those plays and he logged a lot of ice time, they expect to have that puck on their stick a lot. They expect to make plays and they expect to put up points. And when that's not going that way, you start to struggle and you start to fight the game a little bit because if that's not going, it usually means that the other side isn't going as well. For Evan Bouchard, when he starts to play free, which is the toe drags you see on a nightly basis, the shot that he's been using, um, leads all defensemen in shots or did up until the last couple of games, and I haven't checked that step. But he's there's a confidence there with him releasing the puck, with him getting that puck and knowing that he has that caliber of a shot, that it's the right play to shoot the puck instead of passing it off. But I think early in his career, he would get that puck and he'd look and go, okay, well, there's Dreisaitl, there's David, there's Nugent Hopkins, there's you know Hyman or whoever it is in front of the net that's a pretty darn good player too. And should I shoot that puck or should I pass it? Right. There's no hesitation now. When he knows he's in a good spot to shoot it and it's time to shoot it, he's owned that. And as a result, he's standing a little taller and he has that confidence offensively. But now, if you watch him defensively, and I don't think he gets enough credit, great players, and I talk about offensive players, typically understand how to get the puck back. That's the one thing they're really good at is they want that puck. They have a desire to have it on their stick. And if you want it bad enough, you know how to get it back. And he's learned to use his feet to check a little bit. He's learned to use his stick. 
when he gets in trouble is when he's not skating, when he's not moving, when he's not anticipating, when he starts to think a little bit too much. And I think you could probably say the entire Oilers team was doing that a little bit too much early in the season. Um, I've noticed him a lot lately, Justin, on defensive plays in the neutral zone. He made a real nice one on uh, the one goal last night where he made the, the defensive play in the neutral zone, a one-handed slash on the puck to bounce it back to McDavid. It was tic-tac-toe in the back of the net. And, you know, for me, that's just a, a real kind of microcosm of the difference from this team now than it was at the start of the year. That probably would have been a broken play in the neutral zone. You had three forwards that were high, a defenseman that was aggressive. It would have been an outnumbered rush against, which, uh, you know, we all know they led the league in outnumbered rushes against and outnumbered goals against early in the season, and they've really cleaned that up. But the big part of it is the confidence in the defense score playing um, the right way and playing with a little more assertiveness and free. Lou, I got to ask you uh, on the topic of defense, uh, young players, first-round picks, yeah. Philip Broberg. I know there's yeah. uh, some mixed signals on whether or not his agent's allowed to sh find another team out there or not, but uh, this was a, a high pick. This is a eighth overall pick, Louie, um, mm -hmm. and there's a real sense that his time's out in Edmonton and he's just going to move on? Is there anything that could save this and he could still be the defenseman that they once thought? I think there's always a chance. You know what? I had I had a, a son that went through the same thing and was not happy in a situation but found a way to kind of come back into the lineup and have a, a big impact in that lineup and play the way he wanted to play. I think for Philip, you know, when I look at his game, and listen, he was a player coming into the season that I felt we wanted to see a, another step from. But unfortunately for him, he never really got the opportunity to really dig into the season. With the way the season started, with the negativity around this team, and just with the way things were going, he kind of found himself on the outside looking in again. And it was a real difficult situation, and I will say this. Um, they kept putting him on the right side. And I'm going to tell you right now, any young defenseman that's trying to find your way in the National Hockey League has to play on his natural side. That's just my opinion. Um, you can agree with it or disagree with it, but I think he needs to play on the left, and that's where they are stronger. They're stronger on the left side, and there just wasn't room to put him into the lineup on a regular basis and see the minutes that he needed to see to find his game and, and feel successful at this level. I think there's a player there. I really do. Um, I know we haven't seen that big jump that everybody was expecting, but he's put on some size. He looks bigger. He's skating well. The best place for him right now is down the American Hockey League to play a ton of minutes and then go from there. Go down to the American Hockey League at Bakersfield. He was, he was put down there yesterday. Go down, play a role, play, play the way you can play, and then when you get your next opportunity, whenever that does come, whether it be with the Edmonton Oilers or somewhere else, um, you're ready for that opportunity to step in and have an impact. I don't think they want to trade him, guys. I really don't. I think he's a, a player in their depth, in their system that they know they're going to need to re re rely on. When you look at what they have down in Bakersfield, he's probably the first call up every single time. So I think they want to try and get him some time and minutes in the NHL if they can. But obviously, if it's if it's the end of the road for him, then maybe the move is the right call and see what you can get for him. His stock isn't very high right now, and that's unfortunate being an eighth overall pick. I mean, from a from a club's perspective, they're looking at this like, okay, well, we need to we need to obviously get something back for Philip Broberg. We're not just going to give an asset like him away. And we've seen it many times throughout the years, guys, where a young prospect who didn't pan out on one team goes somewhere else and really flourishes in the role that you expected him to be as a player. So I think they're a little bit leery of that, mm -hmm. and they want to give it a little more time to make sure that they maybe can still get him to, to buy in and want to be part of this team.
Louis, uh, last one for me. Before we had you on, we had Yorkie talking about Ottawa, and we had him handicap the Atlantic Division a little bit. Want to talk about the teams around Edmonton and where their place is in that division? You know, right now they're still chasing Calgary, Vancouver, you know, mm-hmm. L.A., Vegas. Are they as good as these teams? Are they in that tier? You know, I'm trying to figure out where this team is going to end up by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, um, good question, and I think everybody's trying to figure out yeah. that. And, you know, I'll give you two answers. My first answer is I think the next game is the most important game. Right now, the way they're chasing the standings and chasing where they are, um, they need to just concentrate on putting wins on the board, and that's what they have done. And I think a big reason why they've taken the focus off of how many wins do we have to have, what do we have to do record-wise by the end of the year to get into the playoffs, that was the, the mentality, I think, when Chris Knobloch took over and Rightfully so. This is a team that expects to be in the top eight, expects to be in the top three of the division, and expects to go on a run. So for them right now, by putting into smaller sample sizes and saying, listen, let's take this one game at a time. Let's make sure we're focusing on the things that we can control and just start to climb that ladder as they have done. I do think, uh, as another answer to you, I think they are as good as those teams. I truly do. And I think those other teams know. (laughs) That's the thing. I think those other teams look right now and say, "Uh uh-oh, Edmonton's found their game and now they're playing the way they can play and they're on their heels and they feel that. Now there's teams that have created huge buffers. The Vegas Golden Knights came out to a great start. The Los Angeles Kings on a tear right now playing well. I mean, great hockey teams, but I would still tell you that in this division, they are one of the top three teams in the division. I know the record doesn't say it right now, but I'll stand by that. They're as good as any team in this division on any night. And that's the way they have to play. But I'll go back to my previous answer and say, I think the focus has to be small right now because they're trying to dig themselves out of that hole that they dug um, for themselves early in the season. Louie, always great stuff. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Great job on the Zoom. Appreciate it, Louie. Thanks. Louie DeBrusque, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet, does it all. It's funny, you know, we're, we just had a chat about the Oilers. They're back. Oilers are back. They're 10 and 12. It's they, been, they, they lose two in a row, and they're not back. <laughs> yeah. Well, they put themselves in a tough spot, but they're humming. I'm happy they're back. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, you know, there's a rivalry between Leafs fans and Oilers fans. And it's like, but you want them to be good. Like, you want them to be, you don't want Connor McDavid wallowing away there and having them not be they, relevant. He's the biggest star in the league. You want them to be relevant for yeah. the, the general hockey, you know, ecosystem. It's just better when they're good. You want it. They are uh, caught between a rock and a hard place right now with Philip Broberg, their first-round pick. Well, it does feel like, okay, we're not getting what we want out of this guy. There's nothing to be gained by trading him except losing the potential upside if he finds it. That's the dilemma here. And they can't just sit around and wait either. No. They don't have that luxury. They could. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but do you think for one second, as is, that team's good enough to go to a Stanley no, Cup final? No, not even close. Not even close. It's like the Leafs. You can say I, all you want. Yeah, they're that, not. That they're blue very line's similar. not getting yeah. it done. Yeah, both teams are probably three players from you know beating the best team in the division. So, or sorry, the best team in the. Conference. So you have this first pick, eighth overall. How, what year? Two thousand and eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. So I looked at the draft. Oh no! And it's not really. What did they pass on? Not like nothing really that bad. I will say who's behind him. Give us so a uh, it was Zegris was the next pick. So I mean, Burr. I mean everybody's yeah, but he's such yeah. a previous Oiler pick. He's yeah, like the type of guy uh, they had him getting. 
Podolkin from or from Vancouver. Uh, yeah, I thanks. I nailed that one. Yeah. Uh, Soderstrom, Arizona. Boldy, Spencer Knight, Cam York, Cole, Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield. Yeah. New Hook, Krebs. It's not it's, like it's not like you passed on. You know, it's not like the Bruins when they took those three guys in front of Barzell. Right. Oh, so, that's an all timer. It's just. Yeah, that was twenty. Sorry, I had the draft. Twenty nineteen was the year. So. It was reported last week, I guess, that his agent, Darren Ferris, had uh, permission to go shop a deal for him. Yeah. And then Ken Holland the other day says, no, I didn't give permission. That actually also just happened with Tyson Berry in Nashville, where he was given permission to talk to teams, and Barry Trotz is like, hey, like two people knew about that, so... Your agent can go kick rocks, basically. Okay. okay, and let's just say it for what it is. Okay. Every agent is out there making calls, trying to get Spread their... the word. Trying to get deals done. It happens all the time. So if players they're not who calling, play for teams have their agents call other teams and say, they hey, just my do player it would be on interested. Their own. If they right? If they sit there and they're not liking their client's situation, mm. they will call other teams and say, you like my guy? do you like my guy? Would you trade for him? So old Milstein just lost his head and had seen enough on Zadorov and was like, I'm going public. And then... Going rogue. And, and then the agent do goes to another... Yeah. Then, then the agent goes to the, the, the team that has his disgruntled client yeah. and says, hey, maybe you want to call Montreal. Or maybe you want to call. Just maybe. And this is how many deals get put together. Agents start them. Agents. Mm. Agents. We should have more so agents on it's, our show. It's not, okay, so I didn't give him permission. He's doing it anyways. Yeah. You know he's doing it anyways. It's just, it's, what happened was it's embarrassing for Ken Holland I to didn't hear. Yeah, I didn't give them public. permission to be public when, with when, it. When, yeah. when insiders go on and say the agent's, you know, going out there has permission. Like I said to you, the joke is it's like, you know, the, that's the that's the team or the general manager saying, I got nothing here. I can't right? find anything. I, I am out of ideas. And it's not a great look. It's like me when I'm looking for something at home and my wife says, fine, I'll come look. But, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to find it. <laughs> but every agent, <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah. They make calls. They're they're. Trying to find fits for their client. Yeah, and that's just that's the that's what that's just the way it is. I'm a good singer. You are. You nailed you. that. Like one agent trying to get a client six hundred million dollars. But yeah, John <laughs> to, me, the, agent? But to me, Broberg is a type of guy that, like Louis alluded to, there haunts you. Mm-hmm. That he's young enough. He's got enough pedigree. You trade him away. Or he goes to the right situation. Or you let he's him. He's a bust. Exactly. There's, it, and that's where you, the guys make millions of dollars to be general managers in the NHL to weigh those kind of decisions. But, like, you put him in the right situation with somebody, and I, I don't know. But how much, like, how long can the Edmonton Oilers wait or sit on Brobrick when they have to win right now? Well, the implication you're making is that they could get someone who could help them win right now for a guy who can't play in the league. Okay, hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Oh, 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 oh. Like, can Broberg get you someone that can help you win right now? That's the question. At That's the, root the of question. This. Like, what's his value out there? What do you think you can get for him? 
another well, struggling non player playoff team he can have one of my current nhl players and i'll bet on the upside right like if i'm the blackhawks i'll say would you like the mckenzie entwistle you may have Jason one Dickinson? you may have one entwistle yeah and we'll take the potential upside of a broberg i, I just, don't know my perspective is i like i don't really i know but, he hasn't been good but he's six foot four he's 22 years old and he's you know like i you, know he's not been great, but it just feels a little risky. You, you to give can't up. also give up an eight hundred thousand dollar salary and then go get uh, yeah. a, a two million or four million dollar defenseman. That makes no sense either on the salary cap. My theory on guys like Broberg in my limited time in the American Hockey League as a player and coach is that the teams know they know if they think Broberg is going to be it or not. Like if they and so that's what this comes down to. If they don't think he's going to be, they're it, not clamoring for Broberg. I, teams are not, but I'm I talk, saying his I, team knows. Yeah, I talked to two other teams that said if Edmonton's serious about changing the makeup of their blue line, they're going to have to get creative and include their first round Ugh. draft pick. Which, yeah, yeah, I guess if you're looking for a significant they, piece, if they, they want to try to win the Stanley Cup, they, they've they've got to make it attractive around. Broberg. If you're trading a first rounder, though, you're getting a guy whose salary is. Well, that's the creative part of moving money in and moving money out. Yeah, they've done well to hold. Like they have their first, second, and this year fifth and sixth, and next year they have first. They've third. got some pieces to they play still with. Have, they still have all their first round picks the next three years. Meanwhile, Tree Living's on which our is, show yesterday. Going yesterday, going. What do you want me to trade? Which is surprising to me for a team that's been going after it so long here with McDavid. This, them to have all their first round picks is somewhat surprising. Game time? Game Let's time. do it. All right. It's game time presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Uh, just the, uh, the check-in on the Otani odds. Same as they were yesterday. So plus 150 Blue Jays, minus 175 for the Dodgers. Hasn't been a ton of movement there. So they, they don't. Nothing's changed because they have no idea. Um, please report that a UK outlet called Mail Sport uh, has, oh, no. has Don't even Toronto Blue Jays is the front runner oh, to great. sign them. So a well, UK outlet that I've never heard of till know, this moment. As a lifelong Blue Jays fan, my go-to source for Blue Jays stuff is yes. that article of yeah. uh, article. Like a tabloid from Britain. I love that. Unconnected. I love that they're just getting in on it. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's like, like, we like, do <laughs> like the traffic on our articles. I think if Otani ends up in Los Angeles with the Dodgers, he will have he would have picked the second best contract offer. Oh mm. yeah, financially. I I, sure. I gotta think the Blue Jays are offering him a package that is so beyond just a X amount mm-hmm. for your salary. And this is this has got global implications. Yeah. Uh for, for the Blue Jays. You'll have the most with money. The offer. The mo- you'll have a whole country. He has been offered through Rogers a guest spot on Kipper and Bourne every oh, yeah. week. Yeah, That's anytime he wants. Anytime He's he allowed wants. to come on our yeah. show. So from, that may put him over the I edge. don't know where we're going to fit him in. I mean, we would even allow him to come on here he, and announce it if he wants. Yeah. <laughs> he could produce if he wants. Okay. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'll go work at the beer store, boys. Uh, it's a lot of games tonight, but I wouldn't say a ton of really excellent matchups and there's a few that are pretty big pretty big favorites and to me i'm going to put together a four team super favorite parlay which always works in the nhl but i want to i want to lay this out for you okay bruins over sabers kings over habs red wings over sharks and devils over squids pays plus 338 who's the team that screws me 
Buffalo. Buffalo? Yeah. Buff- Buffalo. Uh, In Boston? They're desperate. screwing me? Buffalo's desperate. Okay. They need it bad. But I, I those are, I like the Coward's Parlay. Thank that you. Jersey. Jeannie Bunkus throwback. Yeah. There. Yeah. Devils. Uh, they get screw you. Over the squids in in Seattle. You know which one I like uh, tonight? You can mm. give me odds on. Maybe it's not immediately available. But I got it right the here. Islanders are playing Columbus. Mm-hmm. The Islanders just blew a lead, and I think they're going to tighten it up defensively. They don't score. They're, what is the over-under on the game? Is it a six-and-a-half game? It is a six total. Yeah, I like an under. I like okay. the low-scoring the, game. The too. under pays plus 105. Oh, yeah. And one other one I have for tonight to uh, just look at. It's uh, Ducks and Blackhawks. So Leo Carlson versus Connor Bedard, though first and second picks. The old meaningless bowl. Yeah, but uh, one versus Pitt, two, you know, that's kind of cool. Both of them to score a goal pays plus 600. So there you go. A little super rookie parlay for you. And uh, that was Game Time, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest audits and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll kind of extend that Edmonton Oilers story to uh, Rod Brindamore last night, oh, yeah. who his team took a kick in, but he gave one epic bench interview to swear, Darren Pang, yeah. and it's my favorite so far right. I've ever seen. Best. And we're going to play it after the break on Real Kipper and Bourne. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. Uh, yesterday we talked a little bit about Carolina having a decent record. I think they were 14-9. And one going into Edmonton, and I'm like, I just don't don't, don't like them right now. And then they got their lunch fed to them. Five, four, and one in the last ten. Two straight losses. A very good team. They're they're an even goal differential team. Boys, the play McDavid made to set up Hyman for the hat trick. The toe drag into the middle, no look onto the tape. Oh, he's back. They should probably hire Chris Berman just to go whoop. Every time he does. <laughs> Rod, the only thing he does for the broadcast. Head coach of Carolina, Rod Brindamore, many of us give him the nod as being arguably one of the best coaches in the league. Mm-hmm. He's also looking for a new contract, by the and way. winning American Ninja Warrior, definitely. He would definitely be my top pick. So, <laughs> in, in my era, a bench interview would never have happened in a gazillion years. But it but still I doesn't gotta, happen in Canada. I got to think, we're not doing them? We don't no, do them? Never do them. No. I've never seen one. I don't think we're allowed. I think choice? we ask. No, I think it's like in the TNT or ESPN deal. Like that. this is one of the Are things. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't think we're able to do it. Wow. I didn't know that. I totally I'm totally over my skis but, here. I could be wrong, but, but I'm pretty sure. I would sure imagine we, we would be doing them if right. we were really. To, wouldn't you think? Because I think they're just god-awful. Yeah, they're mostly a colossal. I'm sure that's why our people are like, yeah, we don't. Okay, whatever. They're doing them because they're probably strongly recommended to do them. That's why I thought they did them. Yeah. And they're usually nothing. But Unless. Unless you're Rod Brindamore last night Mm -hmm. and Darren Pang, he's down five 
nothing. I felt for Panger. And where is it? I think the second had just started or end of the first. Yeah. And I just felt for Panger. It's in the second. It's He's second. getting like, yeah. okay, go go ask him, go ask him a question. And Panger's like, oh, that might have been the hardest uh, job he's ever had. Yeah. Last night, going to talk to Rod Brandenburg. Well, let's let's. This do is it. the question, and this was the answer. Well, Rod, obviously a disappointing start to this game. Anything you're seeing out here that that uh, that you can build on? We're on a way to losing fifty nothing right now. <laughs> I've never seen them team playing this brutal. So, I, at this point, you know, I don't really. I, I I'm lost for words, to be quite honest. weren't ready to start, which that's was clear, and now we're just kind of doing things. <laughs> Not the way we do it, and this is uh, this way you get. So at this point, we're probably turning the page. What a guy for giving an answer, though. Well, he does seem like a beauty. He didn't like no chuckles either, no. eh? Say, well, Peg. I think he well, Peg. fifty nothing. I think he <laughs> honestly <laughs> believed that it could be fifty nothing. See, I think people mishear it. I think he's actually doing the math, and he says fifteen. I think he says we're on our way to losing no. fifteen nothing. Fifty. No, fifteen nothing. He's, right, it's again. all one word. Fifteen nothing. What? Let's have it again. Give me, give me the clip again. Let's hear it one more time. I heard fifty. We're on a way to losing fifty nothing right now. F- 15. Fifty. <laughs> nice 50. try. I think 50. it's fifteen nothing. Really nice try. So, what is the worst in the NHL, Sammy? Ever? 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 Oh, I don't know. Fifty. Uh, someone told me fifteen. Okay, I'll look it up. Nothing. Right and it wasn't like in nineteen forty or something. That was like Newsy Lalonde had thirteen maybe, goals. Kind of modern. Better than, better than Gino. I think it was 15. 15 Wrist, nothing. Rasmus Wrist, Ristolainen was Detroit, minus seven Detroit in that was game involved somehow. with it. Um, I'm just looking through these. I, like, I'm, I'm just on a website here. I don't know if any of these are <laughs> Website. true. Website.com. I'm, I'm, I'm putting you to work, Sammy, as a producer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm digging here. Okay. I see a 14 to four uh, that the Leafs were involved with. In. Which side? Sabres beat them 14 four. Yeah. All right. Don't I just got... I got 82 nothing. Huh? Yeah. I got 82 nothing uh in international hockey. Oh, this is was it a uh, women's game? Yeah, women's game. Yeah, I vaguely remember Slovakia this. versus uh Bulgaria. Pretty lopsided affair. Don't think the Bulgarians had a lot of attempts. 82 <laughs> to nothing. <laughs> like what do you say in the last... in your first power play unit out there hey. in the third period? Maybe you... just The Red Wings won 15 nothing in 1944 okay. against the New York Rangers. All right. Okay, I have March 3rd, 1920. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Quebec Bulldogs 16-3. to <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you say, like, in the last two minutes? Let's finish strong. <laughs> Just play, set the tone. Hey. Or, set the tone for next say, game. Like, hey, uh, ladies. Take your foot off the gas a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, we've noticed you have 20 goals and 40 assists. Yeah. Could you maybe Just dial dump it in next shift? <laughs> Tied a couple of times. I'm going to go to a 0054 uh, check here. That's hey, aggressive. Is everybody going straight home or anybody want to go out after the game? <laughs> Everyone wants to go straight out after that game. Yeah. Um, Penguins power play. It's bad. It's really bad. They are 0 for the last 34. You're taking uh, Kyle Dubas' uh, enjoyment out of this? No. I, I, really? I, I, but I think I told bafflement. You my, I told you my thoughts on this. I do not cheer against the Penguins because I love Sidney Crosby too much. I love Sidney Crosby way more than I just like Kyle Dubas. So I cheer for Sid. But like zero for 34 is, is, by my math, 68 minutes of game play. 
in which you've had four Hall of Famers on the ice. Yeah, this isn't. If the, you played even strength in 68 minutes with those guys on the ice, you would expect to score seven goals. <laughs> this isn't four, the 1920 two? Quebec Bulldogs here. No, <laughs> this is not <laughs> the Quebec Bulldogs. It's insanity that this team well, counts. It's not good. Goals. No. In fact, Anders Lee may think it's really bad, too. I'm going to blame, full-on blame Carlson. How's that sound? Okay. I'm just going to blame him. Like, I just think that this just throws it off. Like, I think there's not enough pucks. It's the classic, like, not enough ball. Who's going to have the ball situation? And it's just, there's no rhythm. I know one's got to bounce in eventually off someone's yeah. butt. It's crazy to go that long. But, like, it's obviously, was it good last year? I don't even know. But, like, from it being this bad, what's the difference here? They brought in a guy yeah. that needs the puck all the time. They should put Latang out there just so it's different. Just you, to try you, something. Well, they, they had them both out there. Yeah, I know, which is crazy to me. It's also not great. Two D-man in this era, is it, doesn't, it never happens. You, you just wonder what, how, how that whole thing kind of played out between the negotiation between Kyle Dubas and Pittsburgh Penguin and the mandate to... You think he said, you come here, you'll run the power play. You come here, you got to help Sidney Crosby win right now. And then it was like, okay, how's, what's the best way? Uh, go you, get the defenseman that just scored 100 points. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you're saying, Eric Carlson, we need you to help Sidney Crosby win, you've done your math backwards. Uh, last <laughs> year, Pittsburgh Penguins... an excellent point by you. <laughs> ...had the 14th best power play okay. so in the NHL like, at 21.7%. So the definition of mid. Yeah, they were intensely mid, and now they're bad. Can't see bad. We expect uh, Pat Kane to pick up where he left off before this hip no. issue. Shakira, Shakira. See the hips tonight. Plays tonight. <laughs> yeah. Brinkett and him got some magic coming. Uh, I think it's a pretty good spot to start. San Jose Sharks coming to town. They've been on a long roadie. Yeah. I would imagine, you know, that building's going to be rocking. He's in there. He's playing with the Brinkett. It's a pretty soft landing, I would say. The Sharks have been playing well, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But they are still bad. So I, I would expect that tonight they look pretty good and he looks good and we get a little bit excited about it. But I'm not overly moved by it, if I'm being honest. I am excited to see it, though. Like, uh, you know, look weird in that one of the games. I, it's red. I, th- I think the, the color makes a difference. But they similar were, to the Blackhawks. The Red Wings and Blackhawks were blood rivals for a long time during his career. Like it's very it's weird 0-9 for him. Yeah, like think I think about 13. There's a playoff a couple of playoff series where it was like the Datsuk era Red Wings, like kind of at the end of their thing yeah. with the Blackhawks coming up and they had some wars. So it's weird for me. Yeah. It's a weird one. I'm just excited, you know, he is such like a unique player. Bobby Ho- Bobby Orr on the Blackhawks. Like yeah. it's very weird. But to the me. thing about that is that never happened. Well, yeah. I mean, it did. <laughs> yeah, I guess in theory. Yeah, no, it did, didn't it? No, it, it did happen. Okay, it did okay, happen. Okay, but okay, I just okay, like have okay. oh, yeah, not yeah. allowed myself yeah. to believe that. Continue, sorry. Like, Detroit's one of those teams where we're still not sure of, right? They're that mid team that, like, are they going to hang in there? Are they going to hold their spot at number three in the Atlantic? If Pat Kane comes in and is feeling really, really good, like, this may help them hold. For a while. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where when you have a really good start, it's what the Canucks have done, where you say, we don't believe we're as good as our record. We're still going to add to that and try to shore it up. I think he can help them and, you know, obviously put some pucks in the net. I'm looking at remaining strength of schedules and all that because it feels like, I don't know, Detroit's. No, they're just kind of mid-bid. When you think of player going to new 
place across sports, what's the weirdest one that the first one that comes to mind that's like weird to you? Can you think of one? I'll say Olajuwon and the Raptors was really weird. That happened. Yeah, it did. Yeah. How about Brett Favre with the Vikings? Yeah. Or Jets even too. Yeah. But I guess Vikings was even worse. He had been somewhere else prior, so it kind of took some of the... Gretzky and St. Louis. Never worked. And I played in a playoff series against them. Really? Yeah. Toronto and St. Louis in 96. Oh, yeah. What happened in that one? Still weird to remember him as a St. Louis Blue. Brett Hall is an Arizona Coyote. Yeah. And he was the one that, you know, the famous uh, Iserman goal, the bar down slap shot. Mm -hmm. He was one who coughed it up to Iserman. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah. And he comes over. And that was, by the way, that game was 0-0 in double overtime. That is an unbelievable (laughs) way to end it. Matt Duchesne playing in a 1,000 NHL game. Which is still a great number. What a milestone. 1,000 games. That's yeah. a lot of games. I so, couldn't even get like half. I was at half, barely half. Yeah, I played less than that. So uh, <laughs> still a lot of respect for your career there, Kip. Um, the expectations for Matt Duchesne when he came in, do you think he's lived up to them? 736 uh, career points in 1,000 games? I, how do you look at your, your top four or five picks. Do you think everybody should be close to getting a franchise type of player or is it reserved for the top three or is it just reserved for the first pick overall? Because there are expectations on the first five picks. So Matt Duchesne came into the league 2008, maybe he was drafted in 2009. 2009. The Tavares third pick yep. overall. Behind those two guys. So that year, if, probably if I tell you the only sure Hall of Famer bet is Victor Hedman in that whole group. Yeah, I'm just looking. Anyone Tavares, else? Tavares on the doorstep by the time it's all said and done. John Tavares, would pro- it would go a long way. With the success of the Toronto Maple Leafs to get him into the Hall of Fame. Oh, I'm just going Stanley Cup. Like, are you just talking about first rounders or that whole draft? Like, I don't know. O'Reilly's a a second round pick. How far you want to go down? O'Reilly's a second round pick. Ryan O'Reilly. He's played a thousand games. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but I think you, if you're getting a top five pick, I think you're if you're an owner or if you're a fan, you're expecting Hall of Famer. You're expecting to have a guy that's going to make your team. Have a con- like be in the yeah, conversation. Like for third cups. overall, I, thousand games, seven hundred points. That's about top, what you're getting. Top five, top five NHL draft choices. Yeah, you should have pretty good odds to be really close to the Hall of Fame. So John Tavares is in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, I guess, with the Con Smythe and the Stanley Cup, could get himself in the mix with maybe some more success. But usually, the odds are. Pretty good. If we went down the draft the last 25, 30 years, mm-hmm. we find a lot of Hall of Famers in that in yeah. those first five picks. It's funny, the, the top seven in that draft were, have, have all had good careers. Tavares, Hedman, Duchesne, Evander Kane, Braden, uh, Braden Shen, Oliver ekman yeah. Larson, Nazem Kadri, all over 800 games. And then wow. Scott Glennie played one game in the NHL. But Matt, the Duchesne, Matt Duchesne is not in a Hall of Fame conversation. No. no. And will not be. Not too shame, I would say the only disappointing part, probably if you're him, is that he hasn't played in the playoffs yeah. much. He's been the second round once and the first round maybe four times, and we're Which talking is a 15-year career, 14-year a career. ton. What's that? Like it, it used to be an automatic. You score 1,000 a, a, a points yeah. for playing 1,000 games. You're going to get in, in the Hall of Fame. 
that, that like those days are over now. It's like impact now. Yeah, no, I'm just saying he hasn't right? played in the playoffs. No, though. I know yeah. that. That's my whole point. That it's just it's not about games played and yeah. and scoring points. It's were you an impactful playoff uh, uh, player, mm-hmm. especially in the playoffs? That goes that carries a lot of cred right now for for voters. How much though, Kipper? Is like you talk about getting in, being a thousand points, thousand games, or whatever. Like guys, just it was harder game earlier. Like when you were playing, or even into like the mid two thousands or whatever. The games changed so much it's, to allow you to play longer. It's actually, I was saying to Sam today, like Pierre Engvall, I don't think he's missed a game in his career. He's in Long Island. He plays every yeah. game. Like we could be sitting here in five years, and I don't know, or to eight years, and he'll be at a thousand games. And yeah, it's like, I think the number one criteria is now: were you a game changer? Did you? Uh, I seriously affect a series or a championship. You know, if it is regular seasons, were you dragging your team? Did your team, were you the most important guy, you know, for some period of time? But Hedman's first ballot. Yes, to me. In the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. You? Are did you in the broadcast? Justin, you, uh, did Justin oh, Bourne? Yeah. Did Justin Bourne move the needle on the oh, Kipling Bourne show? <laughs> We're not, I got time here. We're, We're just getting through the up. week, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Our thanks to Jason York and Louis DeBrusque. If you get a chance, give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your many games tonight. We're back tomorrow to discuss it all on the Real Kipper and Bourne show.